as we celebrate Easter, you know, what an incredible time to acknowledge him in our lives, our need for him, our need to celebrate uh, his change that can occur in our lives. You know, I, I don't know what you do for Easter, how you celebrate, but, but you know, maybe it's a time for you of, of some family time, some time you, you get together with friends and, and uh, family and maybe eat, which is always good. Uh, you know, maybe it's a time of being out of school, out of work, taking a break, kind of, uh, you know, just celebrating. Uh, for some people, it's, it's, you know, hiding eggs. Uh, I know one guy who, who prepared 5,000 eggs for a community event. I'm glad I didn't have to do that. But, uh, you know, for some of us, it's buying a new, a new dress or a new tie. And I don't know about you, but... It, Sometimes it's nice to have an excuse to dress up, to, to do something out of the ordinary. But hopefully, though, for you, it, it'll be even more than that. It's really a time of, of thinking more about God, about your relationship with Him. And I really hope that's why you've come to church today. I, I, I hope that, that uh, I, I think most of us realize that this time of year is really a time to focus on God. And with that in mind today, I I want to think about the true significance of this holy day, this holiday. You know, it's really a special and important day. And and maybe we can understand it better by thinking about it a little bit differently than we usually do. I want to talk to you this morning, this evening, (laughs) about what if there was no Easter. And we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What if we didn't have to celebrate this time? Uh, what, if, what if it was because we had nothing to celebrate? What if Jesus, the great teacher, the great promise giver, was memorialized only by his gravestone and not by the empty tomb? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. It's really an incredible passage in God's word that helps us to understand the importance of Jesus' resurrection. And it's not that the cross was not important, not at all. You know, it's absolutely critical that we have the cross, that that we can look to the cross, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. But if Jesus had not risen uh, from the dead after the cross, it would have just been a well-intentioned tragedy. Oh man, that's too bad. (laughs) I'm sorry, that didn't work out the way we thought, did it? You know, if he hasn't risen then his ability uh, to come uh, back to life would have shown us that his work fell short of what it was supposed to accomplish in our lives and that we shouldn't really put our trust in him because he can't come through. But let's, let's read what Paul has to say about it. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 17 through 19. Verse 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if if we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, we are of all men to be most pitied. (laughs) What if there was no Easter? First of all, there would be no hope for your past. In verse 17, it talks about that, that if Christ is not risen, we're still in our sins. How many of us have a past? I, I don't know about you, but 
man, there are things in my past, ways that, that I've come to the Lord and said, you're not important. You're not essential. The way that I've treated others. We all have things in our lives that, that we've done wrong, sins that we've committed. All of us do. And verse 17 says, if Christ is not risen, you're still in your sins. You know, this weekend we're celebrating Christ's victory over our sins and resurrection from the dead. But if that had not happened, we would still be on our sins, in our sins. Those things that, that we've done wrong would still be ours to carry. They would still be ours to pay for. So, so what does that mean? I want us to think about a, a ledger sheet. You know, because this is how many of us see our past. You know, we have the side that says, these are my good deeds, and the side that says, these are my bad deeds. And if there's more on this side than on this side, I'm going to do okay. When I come before the Lord, He'll say, hey, you know, you did your best, you tried hard. And really, that's how we think that, that God will judge us one day, based on that good and bad list. I hope this one outweighs. I mean, th that was bad, but this was really, really good. So that should, you know, cancel each other out. And that's what many of us been, have been taught. But you can think of it more like this. Uh, you know, you can have as much good as is humanly possible on one side. You know, you could be a model citizen, a, a loving husband, a loving wife, a great dad, the, the boss that everybody wants to work for. But if we have one sin on that bad side, we're in trouble. That is enough to keep us separated from God, to keep us out of heaven forever. And you know, you might say, hey, that's, that's kind of harsh. That's a, that's a pretty tough, tough standard. You know, nobody can meet that. Why should I be held to that? But we can't blame it on God. It's the nature of sin. It's the way sin works. It corrupts. It destroys completely. And it can't be related to a good and perfect God. You know, as we think a little bit more about it, it, it might not seem so odd. I mean, how many times does somebody have to break into your house before you start calling him a thief, right? Just once, man, you come in my front door and you're not supposed to be there. We're having issues, right? How many uh, people would someone have to kill to be arrested for murder? I hope I know your answer to that. <laughs> but that's how serious, that's how deadly our sins are before God. The Bible says that one is enough to destroy us. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of all. The Bible says that, that we all have at least one sin, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And those sins separate us from God. So yes, you know, as... You might enjoy some time this weekend, maybe barbecuing, maybe having dinner with your family, maybe taking off time from work or school. That's great. That's important. That's fun, right? But what we're celebrating today and this weekend is much more critical than that. 
for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, for those who have accepted him as their Savior, if it were not what we're celebrating this weekend, we would still be separated from God. And you know what? There would be no way, there would be nothing we could do to change it. All those things that that you've done in your life that were not God's plans for you, those would be enough to keep you from having a relationship with Him. And you'd be lost and without God, with no way to get to Him. Aren't you glad that Jesus uh, died on the cross? Aren't you glad that He rose victoriously from the grave? I don't know about you, but, but that reality has changed my life. It's changed my direction. It's changed my eternity. So if there were no Easter, you and I would have no hope for our past. But if you look in verse 17, it, it also says that there'd be no hope for our present. In addition to what we talked about, verse 17 says that if Christ is not raised, if he's not risen, your faith is in vain. Your faith is worthless. It's no good. It has no value. If you look back in verse 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. These words specifically have the meaning of of empty, of a wasted effort. As I think about those words, a wasted effort, all this time, all this energy that, that we have seeking after God, if Jesus was not raised, <laughs> what's the point? Why are we even here? So if Christ is not risen, the Bible tells us it's a waste of time. It's going to do you no good. You're kidding yourself. And I'm not trying to chalk you out the door. But I want to give you some perspective about how important his resurrection is. C.S. Lewis said about the, the claims of Christ, the one who makes such claims is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And he can't be Lord if he's not victorious over the grave. All of us have things right now that are going on in our lives, kind of a, a to-do list almost. This is going on. That's going on. It's, it's not that it comes one at a time either. It seems like everything comes at once. All our difficulties, all our problems. You know, maybe someone has, has a medical report coming back this week. That'd be pretty high on your list, right? On your priority, your focus. Maybe someone has a decision about a job this month. Or, or maybe you're not sure who your kids are hanging out with. Or maybe you don't know how you're going to come up with the money for the next bill. You know, we all have things. We all have, have life, have stuff, and it gets overwhelming. It gets more than we can take. And it's not just one, it's lots of things all going on at the same time, and it seems to never stop. And the Bible says that we need God to help us with all of those things. We need His presence. That's why we're here today to worship and to grow together. But if Jesus Christ didn't burst forth out of that grave in victory, then we're barking up the wrong tree. We're in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong direction. The stuff that we're talking about, He can't help you with it. He can't give you peace. You're on your own. 
And your faith, your trust in God is wasted effort because he cannot truly help you. Because he's still in the grave. He couldn't conquer the biggest issue that's facing us. As we meet here together on this Easter, just pause a moment and think about it. God cares about your real life. He, he cares about the challenges you're facing. And you know what? Because he is risen, he can do something about it. He can offer you hope. He can offer you help for the challenges that you face in your life. If you'll trust him, if you'll put your faith in him. And finally, if he's not risen, if he hasn't defeated death, In the grave, there's no hope for our past, there's no hope for our present, and there's no hope for our future. Verse 18 begins uh, to point ahead to what this means for our future. It says uh, that those who have fallen asleep, and he's not talking about falling asleep in church. (laughs) He's talking about, it's it's a euphemism, it's a nice way of saying they've died. It's, it's like, uh, you know, generally we say they've, someone has passed away. So Jesus, if Jesus had not come out of the grave, those who trusted God but already died, <laughs> they're perished. They're destroyed. They're, they're lost forever. They can't come back. Their future, they don't have one. They've ceased. If there was no resurrection... They're kidding themselves about heaven. That hope that they claim they had, (laughs) it means nothing. It has no purpose. It can't be changed. And in verse 19, he he includes all of us. He says, you know, those who have died and those who are still alive, when, when he says, if in this life only we have trusted Christ, we are most miserable. (laughs) If Jesus Christ can't give us hope beyond the grave, through his own resurrection, proving that he can do that in our lives, there's no reason to follow him in this life. There's no reason to come together. There's no reason to worship together. And if that's the case, we're in a very bad place. We're deceived. And and really, the, the idea here, the word construction, really has the idea of a superlative. It's like an exclamation, a really, <laughs> you're in a really bad spot. You're miserable. People can look at you and say, wow, they're doing that? They're going to church? We're a sad-looking bunch of fools just kidding ourselves. If he's not risen. I don't know if you've heard of Pascal's uh, wager, but... He was a 17th century uh, philosopher, mathematician, physicist. He did, you know, everything that I can't. So, but, but he was best known for math. He was really good at it. Again, not something I'm too keen on. But uh, he was also famous for this idea that, that a lot of Christians have used when they're talking to an atheist, to talking to someone who doesn't believe that there's a God. And, you know, initially it'll sound really good, but but we're going to talk about kind of its folly here. This is how it goes. If, if you are not sure that there's a God, go ahead and live like it. And if you're wrong, you haven't lost much. But if you're right, 
You've gained everything. Maybe you've heard it before like this. If you're right that there's no God, I haven't lost a thing. Trusting him, serving him, I haven't lost anything. But if I'm right, you've lost everything. Again, that sounds great. That sounds like, oh yeah, that's a compelling argument. But I think there are several things wrong with them. And the biggest one is that the Bible says, don't do it. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty two. Just a couple of verses later, it says, um, it "says Eat, drink, live it up while you can. If there's no resurrection from the dead, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, do whatever you want. Who cares? Because you might be dead tomorrow. And this is all there is. It says you can live like that. If if Christ isn't isn't uh, raised from the dead." We should all just go to, go do that. You know, as human beings, we're, we're going about the, the normal routine of life and we're not as inclined to think about eternal things, about the hereafter. But we really should. You know, we're going to spend a lot of time and, and really more time there than here. In fact, I, I thought about my first day in kindergarten. And uh, I don't know what your first day was like, but, but I remember mine seemed like forever. I mean, it just dragged on and on until the bus finally came and I could go home and see my mom. <laughs> but, you know, now that I think about it, it wasn't really long at all. It was a half day. <laughs> and actually, it wasn't even more than four hours. When was the last time that you came home from work or school after four hours and said, oh, I'm glad that day's finally over. Man, I hope I don't have to do that again, right? As I look back on it now, the first day of kindergarten was kind of a blink, right, in the scope of my life. And it's really not something I think about too much anymore, but that's really uh, how life compares with eternity, it is important. It's, it's critically important what we do with our life, what we do now. But your life there in eternity is really going to define you a lot more than this one. And you need to have a plan for the future, a plan for eternity. If there is no God, and if Christ is not risen, you may as well get the most as you, that you can out of life as fast as you can, because it's going to end soon. And if that's all there is, let's do it. But if he has risen, if he has conquered death, and if I trust in him, that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes my perspective. It changes my life. It changes my attitudes and actions. You know, we don't have time to dig into a study about heaven, but, but do you sense that you were made for more than this? Do you sense that, that things are not right here? There are things in this life that are not the way they should be. Man, don't you wish we could all just get along? We could all just do what's right? Have you ever found a place like that? Or would you ever want to leave it? That's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be making right decisions, finally, as we serve Him.
If Christ is risen, he offers for you to spend eternity with him in a new heaven and a new earth and enjoying a city that's built for those who trust him. So what if there was no Easter? If there was no Easter, we would have no hope. No hope for our past, for our sins, they'd be on you. You'd have to take care of them. You'd have to deal with the Lord. Be no hope for your present. You know, the challenges that you face on a daily basis, you'd have to figure that out alone. And there'd be no hope for our future. The place where you're going to spend forever, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be heaven. But look at verse 20. One of the most incredible verses in all of God's word. But now... Christ has been risen from the dead. Let me read that again. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, right? We get to worship. We get to celebrate. Man, how incredible is it that he would conquer that, that he would rise up from the dead. The thing that we fear the most But there's one hitch. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to say, you must receive this gift. Something that you have to do. You must entrust your life to him. You have to say, God, I've come to the end of myself. I trust you to take care of it. We need to be willing to admit, I need you, God. And why is that so hard for us? I mean, he's proven time and time again that that he can be trusted. See God's word. See uh, your own life and, and how when you trust him, he does something incredible in your life. I know that others have hurt you. I know that for some of you, even the church has hurt you. But you know what? God is the one who's waiting. God is the one who's offering to you. Why don't you come? He's calling you. The question is, are we going to trust him? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, this evening. Lord, we are so thankful for your victory over sin and death. Lord, we come before you because we know our past. We know that you have given us new life. We know that you have washed away our sins. We know that you have paid the penalty for those things. Lord, we come before you with our present. Lord, with our difficulties, with life, with everything that's going on, Lord, we come and we say, thank you, God, that you can do something about it. You give us hope in the midst of those. Father, I thank you that we can trust you with our future. Lord, we can rely on you. You've promised that you would prepare a place for us. You've promised that this is not the end, Lord. And we've seen you come through time and time again, and so we trust you for that. 
Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives as we celebrate this time. In Jesus' name, amen.